0: Welcome to the Static Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony T., and this is episode 100. Welcome, welcome, 100 episodes on this Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. Thank you. Hope you are well. I apologize for the break, but again, life. So the last episode was on May 31st, titled Runaways, and there I covered Tara Reid, uh, Joe Biden's accuser of sexual assault. She ran back to Russia. She was fearing for her safety. Uh, Interesting times. So we'll stay on the topic of whistleblowers, and out of The Guardian, we have Daniel Ellsberg, Pentagon Papers whistleblower dies, age 92. Analysts who leaked studies showing U.S. government knew the Vietnam War was unwinnable became Activist and writer. Daniel Ellsberg, a U.S. government analyst who became one of the most famous whistleblowers in U.S. politics when he leaked the Pentagon Papers exposing U.S. government knowledge of the futility of the Vietnam War, has died. He was 92. His death was confirmed by his family on Friday. I'll skip down a little further. Uh, The Pentagon Papers covered U.S. policy in Vietnam between 1945 and 1967 and showed that successive administrations were aware the U.S. could not win. The Pentagon Papers caused a sensation in 1971 when they were published, first by the New York Times and then by the Washington Post and other papers, after the Supreme Court overruled the Nixon administration on whether publications threatened national security. In 1973, Ellsberg was put on trial, charges of espionage, conspiracy, and stealing government property, adding up to a possible 115-year sentence were dismissed due to the gross governmental misconduct, including a break-in in at the office of Ellsberg psychiatrist, part of the gathering scandal which led to Nixon's, Rick Nixon's resignation in 1974. Very interesting business, as usual with the government, I see has been going on. Uh, You expose something that the government is doing and you get charged for espionage act like uh, Mr. Julian Assange, who's even not a citizen of this country. They're trying to extradite him back here and uh, charge him with that and probably lock him up for a very long time this is a dangerous practice we have going on in this country. This is uh, this is communist type, type tactics that are still happening. Um, that's why just a little regular old guy like me decides to do a podcast because we have to expose this stuff. Like there's certain things the government shouldn't do. And obviously there can be misinformation. People can say they got documents and stuff, but when it's legit government documents and you're just caught red-handed and we're like, ah, oh, we're going to charge this guy with espionage and lock him up. It's like blatant to see that the government's at fault. Even the Supreme Court voted on this guy saying, nah, you can't, you can't do that. It's, it's press. You can't, it's not national security. It's, so there's like a procedure Snowden described it one time or Assange described it one time. So if you come across some type of information as a journalist or a reporter, pretty much you have to disclose that information to the government and say, hey, I have this information. It's claiming so and so. These are the documents. Would you like to comment on it before I release this in the press? And what happened with, I think, Snowden or Assange, one of them too, they did this And the government never got back to them. And so he went and released it. And then after he released it, it became this whole thing. And now he's a bad guy. He's a spy. He's a sabotage espionage, you know, the whole, they they threw him with the whole thing. So there is a process that journalists have to do to the government uh, if they come across some type of information. They give the government a chance to verify it or maybe they could say, hey, that's super top secret and we'll go around this. You, know, it, it, There's a process. And obviously this process really doesn't matter because once you release it, they still want to throw you in jail for hundreds and hundreds of years. So being a whistleblower is pretty uh, not so protected anymore. And to keep it on the topic of Vietnam, uh Robert Kennedy Jr. was on the Joe Rogan show last week and he spoke about his uncle JFK and the military industrial complex. Three
1: minute clip. My uncle John Kennedy, you know, did that. He he refused to go to war. So he, he was surrounded by military industrial complex and And he learned very early, and an intelligence apparatus that he realized early on that the purpose of the CIA and the intelligence apparatus was to create a constant pipeline of new wars for the for the military industrial complex. The day, uh, uh, three days before he took the oath of office. Eisenhower, who was the outgoing president, gave what is probably the most important speech in American history, which was, you know, where he warned against the military-industrial complex. I was at my uncle's inauguration. I was in Washington that day. I was, a, you know, a six-year-old boy, and I was sitting on the stands behind him, at, during, in front of him during his inauguration. And he understood that. And two months later, the military and intelligence came to him and said, we got uh, to invade Cuba. And he was like, I'm not going to Cuba, and I'm not going to let the military. And they said, well, we got all these Cubans trained, and they're going to go attack Castro. And he said, well, we're, we can't, the U.S. government can't be doing that. We can't be attacking. We, we, I don't like what Castro is doing down there, but the, it's not the United States job to dictate what kind of governments are there countries have. And they said, uh, well, as soon as they land, there's going to be a, a big revolution. Everybody's going to rise up and they're going to overthrow Castro. And he said, well, you can't use the U.S. military. And they ended up bringing those guys over with uh, United Fruit boats. And and in the middle of it, in the night, they came to him and said, they're getting wiped out on the beach and you need to send in the military and invade. And he said, we're not going to do it. And he he stabbed out of that meeting and he realized they had been lying to him and trying to trick him. And he said, I want to take the CIA and shatter it into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds. And, um, and then, you know, for the next a thousand days of his presidency, he was at war with his military and intelligence apparatus. They tried to get him to go into Laos. He said, no. They tried to get him to go into... Vietnam with the combat troops. They said we, that we need 250,000 combat troops. He refused everybody around him, wanted him to go into Vietnam. He sent 16,000 military advisors, as fewer people than he sent to get James Meredith into Ole Miss in Jackson, Mississippi, to get one black man into school. He sent fewer in Vietnam. They weren't allowed to fight. Many of them did. They both violated the rules of engagement. In October of 1963, he heard that some of his Green Berets had been killed over there. And he said, I want a total casualty, list from Vietnam. And his aide came to him and said, 75 Americans have died. He said, that's too many. And he signed that day a national security order ordering all troops out of Vietnam, US troops. The first 1,000 over the next month and then the rest by the beginning of 1965 and um and then a a month later he was killed
0: and if you don't know the rest of the story lbj became president and the war in vietnam continued and that was that so as you can see here um you know you know the military-industrial complex, intelligence agencies, all these guys are, um, let's just say, not in the interest of us. And that's why whistleblowers get tried to put into jail for hundreds of years for exposing this stuff. And I think it's only getting worse nowadays And as you can see, since then on, we've been in some kind of constant war all the time, spreading democracy when it's none of our business to spread democracy across the world. Uh, But, you know, uh, Trump was like the, you know, last president that didn't want to get into wars and hasn't. But, you know, there's still some bombings here and there. Uh, The military industrial complex needs to make their money. They're big donors and politicians. And if you don't know who the military industrial complex is, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, all these weapons manufacturers, they got to sell. Now we're in Ukraine. Give them F-16s. Don't give them F-16s. Give them this. We'll give them the old stuff so we can make some new stuff and then we'll sell it to somebody else. And it's a big racket and we're not in it. And if you go to disturb that, they will put you in jail. Now for the next story, to keep it on prisons, there's five people stuck in a submersible that was supposedly going to observe the Titanic. Um, This is a four minute clip.
2: But race against time to save five people trapped somewhere beneath the ocean surface. This is a tale of adventure and expedition of technology at its peak disrupted by failure. The frantic attempt to find the Ocean Gate submarine has parallels to the Titanic shipwreck it was searching for.
0: The location of the search is approximately 900 miles uh, east of Cape Cod uh, in a water depth of uh, roughly 13,000 feet. It is a a remote area uh, and it
2: is a a challenge to conduct a uh, search in that remote area. The submersible vessel called the Titan, was carrying five people when it entered the water on Sunday morning. It can dive up to 4,000 metres below the surface and it usually takes just over two hours to reach the wreckage of the Titanic. But an hour and 45 minutes into the descent and at 10am local time, contact to the surface stopped. Deep submersible
0: diving is very dangerous, but it is, uh, it's is—it's high tech, you know, and as each year goes by, the equipment gets better, the technology gets better and so on. So uh, I'm very hopeful and
2: very positive. The Titan sends a ping every 15 minutes to the Polar Prince. That's the research vessel floating high above. But for at least seven hours, that didn't happen and a distress call was sent to the US Coast Guard.
0: We understand from the operator of the vessel that the vessel uh, was designed with a 96 hour uh, 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 sustainment uh, capability if there was an emergency on board. Uh, And so uh, we're using that time, making the best use of
2: every moment of that time to uh, locate the vessel. Uh, ...is uh, safe and capable of handling uh, depths. Those on board are reported to include Stockton Rush, the founder of OceanGate, the private company that charges passengers $250,000 each to gaze at the wreckage of the Titanic.
1: This is not a tourist um, operation. We have a number of nautical archaeologists and deep-sea marine biologists, uh, as well as our own crew. Uh, That will go. There are five individuals can go on each dive. Uh, Three of those are what we call mission specialists. So those are the folks who help finance the mission, Um, but they are also active participants. So why we are not a fan of the tourist term is because these are crew members.
2: The other passengers are the billionaire entrepreneur Hamish Harding, as well as Shazada Dawood, who was on the vessel with his 19-year-old son Suleiman. The final passenger is reportedly the French explorer Paul Henri Nagelé. This is a view from inside the vessel, as filmed in a BBC documentary. Yeah, I see the wreck
0: on sonar, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How close are we to the Titanic? Very close. To meters. Two meters. Yep. The five men missing with no contact since Sunday are believed to have until Thursday, when their oxygen runs out after 96 hours. U.S. and Canadian ships and planes form the search operation, as they drop sonar buoys that can monitor deep under the surface. But this is a tricky operation. Submersible was in mid dive when they lost communications. So, if there was any sort of emergency, they would have probably just dropped their, uh, their weights and this buoyancy would have brought them back up to the surface. But of course, with no communications, then it's difficult to locate where they are. If it's on the bottom, the next challenge is how do you get them up? You're not going to be able to transfer them onto another vessel at depth. You're going to have to bring the whole submersible up and then take them off to get some sort of robot vessel down there to attach something to them to help bring it up and then extract them. Mr Harding himself wrote before the mission that they had only managed to find a short gap in poor weather to launch their expedition, adding that due to the worst winter in Newfoundland in 40 years, this mission is likely to be the first and only manned mission to the Titanic this year.
0: That's a little strange situation they got himself into there. And it's interesting. So it takes about two hours to get down to the Titanic. They were in about an hour, 45 minutes when they lost contact. So if you break it down, say, what could have happened, right? Uh, If there's something, the guy said that they would jettison their weights and it would pop up to the surface and they would have no communications, But if you popped up to the surface, now I have no clue about what goes on or what you could bring, but if you popped up to the surface, uh, were you able to, was someone able to have their cell phone on them or something to call, to track? Uh, So even if they popped up in the surface, I wouldn't see why it would be so hard to find them. Uh, So my guess is something happened down them. So if something did happen where it did land at the bottom of the ocean. Depending on the current down there and the weight of this thing, uh, maybe it got it's getting pushed around the bottom of the ocean or just sitting there. Um, I, I'm not sure. That's a messed up place to be. Uh, Ninety six hours of provisions w- with all the technology. Um, you think they would be able to find them? There's, uh, it's <laughs> it's difficult to like lose people nowadays, really. Now, one of the guys goes to describe that it's a very high-tech vessel and why wouldn't there be some type of uh, balloons that you could jettison with beacons on it? I know it's 12,000 feet and there's current, but let's say if you did lose power and you know things weren't going right, you can say... You can, it would shoot off these beacons like every 30 seconds, every minute. So you could, so like, say it would shoot out a beacon and it would be a balloon, it would pop up to the surface. So you would know like exactly or kind of where it is or what direction, because obviously currents are going to move the balloons. That's why you do it every 30 seconds or a minute just to there should be something there there shouldn't just be like oh well it's gone I don't know where it is you're taking rich people for 250 thousand dollars a pop down to the Titanic you're not going to have these Provisions or like a balloon that blows I know it's deep and the pressure is, is is great down there but something to float this thing to the top or or be able to locate it it's 2023 you going to visit the Titanic. Like nobody, unless it was a catastrophic failure where they don't want to kind of mention it because it's bad for business. Well, I, Who knows? It's weird. And now since we're on the topic of the Titanic... Everybody knows the story of the Titanic, the unsinkable ship that was headed to America, and it hit an iceberg, and it went down to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, I think 3,000 people died. It was wintertime, frozen Atlantic, and not enough boats, and everyone perished. Well, mostly everyone perished. And here's a little clip of the conspiracy theory of the Titanic. It looks like it's from... a podcast called Ballstool Chicago, and here it is. We're talking Titanic.
2: Maybe somebody did it on purpose. Really? There's tinfoil with this?
0: Oh, yeah. This once-in-a-lifetime type of ship doesn't even make it through its first voyage across the Atlantic, but there is this element of the story where people allege, they theorize that this was a financially motivated, politically motivated move by maybe the most powerful man in the world at that time to get rid of his biggest rivals on one particular policy. And JP Morgan, he had people everywhere. He owned a company that owned the Titanic. So he was supposed to be on at the last minute J.P. Morgan goes, no, not getting on that boat. One of the reasons that is speculated as to why he didn't get on the boat is he knew the boat was fatally flawed. So this was a quick clip I just found. So they get part of the conspiracy conspiracy theory, right, with uh, J.P. Morgan owning uh, the company White Star Lines that owned the Titanic. And he didn't, whatever, he didn't go on because of, quote unquote, a flaw, but- If you think about it, a flaw would have... The ship wouldn't have made it that far in the flaw if there was a flaw. Uh, For him to not get on it, it, there was more reasons behind it. So in 1910, J.P. Morgan and Rockefeller and a bunch of other guys and Senator Ulrich from the government got together and they wanted to make the Federal Reserve Act. The Federal Reserve Act is basically, you know why we have the Federal Reserve now. They control the interest rates and the money supply, and they pretty much, you know, are seen as the bad guys in our economy. Now, uh, so they, they got together in 1910. The Titanic sank in 1912, and it's supposedly said that you had uh, Mr. Jacob... Uh, Jacob, John Jacob Astor IV, and there was another congressman by the name of Isidore Strauss. He was a Democratic member of the U.S. House of Representatives at the time. And Guggenheim was also on the Titanic. And supposedly these three members were, uh, these three people were great opposition to the Federal Reserve Act. And the conspiracy goes that the Titanic was sunk because... These people were the opposition to the Federal Reserve, and they couldn't have it. And then, in December of two thousand, uh, December of nineteen thirteen, the Federal Reserve Act was passed. Now, just like anything else, this you know, this federal, these this group of people getting together and trying to make this Federal Reserve Act, this wasn't really publicized. This was, they were very low key on this. So, you know, if this happening to the Titanic was, you know, a setup, and maybe it sent the message to other members of Congress and other people opposition that, hey, we're going to do this. This is how serious we are. We just sank this ship. This will happen to you if you go against this. I wouldn't put it past them. And now back to this lost submarine. Now, these guys were doing these expeditions to the Titanic, and it seems like they were doing it pretty regular, granted, with high-paying people Maybe they started seeing doing some forensic, seeing something getting maybe it wasn't a dit, 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 like it was described on the Titanic movie that it punched a bunch of holes in the hole and it sank. Maybe there was an explosion, and maybe people are seeing this and saying, "Wait, that doesn't look like an iceberg made a hole in whatever how many inch thick steel uh so and then this submarine just goes disappearing. Now, if you would entertain me for a minute, I am going to let my conspiracy theory juices flow now. And let's go back to 1910, 1913 era, right? And you are JP Morgan and you have opposition, right? Now you have to, now you have to realize these are the richest of, these are the richest people in the world. These people are the top richest people. Um, Money Old money, just crazy money, rich, rich, rich. Now you have competition, right? Now, how would you do a crime or get rid of your competition, which is also super rich, where it's kind of uh it doesn't look like how would you set that up where it doesn't look like funny business, right? So being rich, you're always surrounded by people, there's always, you know, there's security, you're 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 around people people all the time how do you get how do you lure somebody somewhere where you can com- commit you know kill them basically well there there you make a ship a opulent ship a great ship you you create a hype this is the biggest this is the best ship this is the most luxurious ship ever built and it's going from you know London or Ireland to New York, exclusive, right? That's how you're going to lower the the big cats in, especially these people, right? They want to be the first. They have to be on the ship. So that's how you learn him. And what better way in the middle of the ocean can, in the middle of the night, can you sink a ship? And then when it took, I think, nine hours for the rescue ship to come by, sounds like a pretty good plan to me. And when you have unlimited resources, you can make these things happen. You and I think like, oh, big ship. Who would want to sink such a beautiful ship? These people have so much. They could have built probably five more of these ships if they wanted to. And then you're going to say, well, newspaper articles and reports. from. Well, who do you think controlled all the newspapers back then? Who do you think edited them back then? Do you think they didn't do what they do now and silence stories or change stories or say, hey, publish this? So this to me... Uh, seems like pretty feasible to and and to if you understand the scope of the Federal Reserve Act and how much money it makes the banks, they they would go through no they would pull no strings to get this through and and they did and and it's true and and look what how much money they made off of it. I would highly recommend uh that book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, because that's where they all met up the first time to discuss this plan. And uh, it's, it goes into pretty good detail of how it went down. It, well, not obviously the Titanic, that's my conspiracy theory, but how they organized to get this Federal Reserve Act passed. And uh, it seems like a lot of people had to have their uh, pockets lined and, and wind and dined because uh, this involves a lot of money. And on that note, that'll do it for me today. I'm your host, Anthony T. This is Static Podcast. You can reach me at staticpodcast.net. Like, subscribe, donate. It's a value for value podcast. Get yourself a new podcast app from newpodcastapps.com. What that lets you do is stream small bits of Bitcoin called Satoshis. I don't take ads here. We don't want to censor. We want to talk about crazy stuff and conspiracy theories and things that they're hiding from us. So look into that it's the future. Uh, So thank you for joining me on this 100th episode of Static Podcast. It was a pleasure and I will see you next time.